Hello and welcome again to Open Arms Online as we continue our series on baggage. You know, week number one, we looked at some of that baggage that can hold us back. Unfulfilled expectations, untreated pain, unresolved yesterdays, unhealthy self-view, and that thing called unrepented sin. And we discovered that this spiritual word for baggage is stronghold. And stronghold in the Greek meant a prisoner locked in deception. In other words, living a lie. Last week, we looked at the, the baggage of guilt and shame. And we had that wonderful Grace Sullivan present the spoken word titled, The Great Exchange. So our subject today is the baggage that won't let go. And before I begin, I want to pray for us. I want to pray that the Spirit of the Lord, Lord, would you come right now upon everybody who's looking and listening to this word. I pray, Lord, that your word, Lord, would go out and bring freedom and liberty. I pray, Lord, that you would break chains off of us. I pray, Lord, that you would give us revelation, fresh revelation of your word. Lord, you came that we might be free. Today, I declare freedom over everyone who would listen in Jesus' name. So this thing called the baggage that won't let go, you know, when you, you come to the Lord and you come to know Jesus, a lot of baggage falls off, but some of it continues to cling. And Jesus wants us to be 100% free. That's why he came. You know, I love uh, the Apostle Paul, who is really, really honest, and he writes in Romans 7.15. He says, I really don't understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. So imagine this great apostle is telling us, I, I, I want to do this, but I, I end up doing that. And at that le level of honesty that's within him. And so this is our very subject today. We do the very things that we hate doing, even though we love Jesus, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and we are committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this baggage that won't let go can become part of your identity. You know, I have so much respect for organizations like Alcoholics Anonymous, Al-Anon, and all of those organizations. But my one struggle that if you stay at that level, your addiction becomes your identity. And that addiction can be many things, but it could be an eating disorder, gambling, compulsive shopper, compulsive gossip, always critical, an alcoholic, a sexual addiction, a drug addiction, anger, smoking, foul language, worshiping a body image, needing approval, needing applause, or indeed social media. And there are so and many things that can become our identity, which is really the beginning of this, this cycle. And, and, and it's a repetitive cycle that keeps going around and around. And the next item on this cycle can be you feel increasingly hopeless. You've done all the courses, you've read all the books on the subject, you've gone for counseling, and none of them seem to work. You still end up feeling trapped. You cannot let go of that baggage. And this leads then to another part in the cycle, becoming defensive. You end up defending your problem. People just don't understand you. You cannot just get me. You, you, you cannot relate to me in this way. You know, I'm not hurting anybody else, and so therefore it's my business. Which makes you, in a sense, a slave. Your baggage, your addiction begins to control your life. 
you become a victim of your own habits. I shop, shop, shop till I drop. And then you begin, and I'm going to use this term, to lose your life. You become resigned to carrying that baggage for the rest of your life. And the interesting thing is that the same man, Paul, who says, I do the very things I hate, also went on to say in Romans 6, he said this, let's read. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give it in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument or evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use the whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Verse 14 says, Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law, but instead you live under the freedom of God's grace. So here are some questions, seven questions that you can ask yourself to discover if you're mastered by some baggage. Number one, do your family and friends say that you have a problem? Do you continue even though it hurts other people? Do you arrange your schedule around it? Can you go for one full week without it? Is it leading you to being isolated? Are you trying to keep it a secret? And the last question is, deep, deep down, do you really know that you have a problem? And if the answer is yes to two or three of these things, it's likely that your life is mastered by something other than Jesus Christ. And we need help. We need to step in for this help. You know, I've been doing some studies on social media addiction because oftentimes when people think of addiction, you think of either alcoholism or drug addiction. But there are far more uh, addictions than that. Here's, let me quote. Studies have shown that the constant stream of retweets, likes, and shares from these sites have fact affected the brain's reward area to trigger the same kind of chemical reaction as other drugs, such as cocaine. In fact, neuroscientists have compared social media interaction to a syringe of dopamine being injected straight into your system. Wow. And then how does uh, social media affect the brain? Due to the effect that it has on the brain, social media is addictive both physically and psychologically. According to a new study by Harvard University, self-disclosure on social networking sites lights up the same part of the brain that also ignites after an addictive substance. The reward area in the brain and its chemical messengers' pathways affect decisions and sensations. When someone experiences something rewarding, or uses an addictive substance, neurons in the principal dopamine-producing area of the brain are activated, causing dopamine levels to rise. Therefore, the brain receives a reward and associates the drug or activity with positive reinforcement. So you can see, by being online on social media can be just as addictive as any other kind of drug. And how about our normal phone activity? A recent study just carried out in March 2020 says, the study commissioned by handset maker Vivo and conducted by CMR said the average time spent on smartphones in a day has risen on average by 11% to five and a half hours in March 2020, right? 
where before COVID, it was 4.9 hours. That was way back in 2019. So let's look at those figures. Five and a half hours a day is about 2,000 hours a year. The average person will be active on their phone from, let's say, 15 years of age till about 65. That's 50 years at 2,000 years, 2,000 uh, hours per year. That adds up to 12 years of your life on the phone. Guys, 12 years of your life looking at that phone. You think that's not addictive? And then we have the area of porn. You know, porn is the, one of the most powerful industries in the entire world. They have profits, profits, not turnover, profits of more than $13 billion per year. It's such a powerful thing in the world. Research has shown pornography to have many terrible side effects. People who use porn have significantly higher odds of depression, violence, sexual discontentment, eating disorders, anger, and dissatisfaction with their partners. Even worse, research shows that porn affects our spouse and kids far more than we think. If a woman marries a porn addict, her odds of depression increase by 43%. Her odds of having an eating disorder have just increased by 22%. And women who marry an addict generally experience a 40% reduction in self-esteem. Even worse, 20% of internet porn comes from coerced or trafficked children. So the collateral damage of porn is much, much higher than what we think. But by the way, in the midst of all of this, there's some hope coming out of the United States at the moment. Recent studies have said that men who suffer from lust only lust on days beginning with the letter T, Tuesdays and Thursdays, today and tomorrow, Saturday and Tunde. Sorry, a little bit of light relief after all of that other reading. So, breaking free. How do we break free? 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And this word, Spirit, is pneuma. It is the breath of God. Where the breath of God is, there is freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is, he came for freedom, for liberty. We all carry some kind of baggage. So, so, so don't please think that you're the only one in the world. Don't think that you're the only one that the enemy is having a go at. Don't think you're the only one who's dealing with some level of addiction that you can't let go of. We all struggle, but Jesus has come that we might have freedom. And this freedom is for eternity, is forever. It will last forever and ever, but it begins here. It begins here on this earth. It begins now at this very moment. Jesus Christ has bought and paid for our freedom on the cross of Calvary. When, when he declared, it is finished, that's what he was talking about. It is finished. No more separation between us and our Father God. No more, no more under the cosh of the enemy. No more slaves unto unrighteousness, unto sin. We have been free, and those who are free are free indeed. So we know that that's the Lord's part. That's what God has done. Now, what is our part? Here are three things to help us experience freedom. Number one, stop the excuses. Luke 14, 
Jesus tells the story about people who were invited to a great banquet, but so many of them made excuses for coming. Luke 14 says, But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to, try to get them. Please excuse me. And still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Guys, we've got to stop making excuses. We must take responsibility. And that is tough. That is hard. Even as a grown-up adult, sometimes it's difficult to take responsibility for who I am and how I'm behaving. You know, when I started counseling in Dublin first, I'd, I saw many people who used that word but. But PG, you don't understand me. You don't understand I had no relationship with my, with my dad. Actually, you don't understand I had no dad. You don't understand that I, I was poor growing up, that I couldn't finish my education. All the B-U-T, 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 all the buts. But there are very few of us who are listening right now who grew up with a silver spoon in our mouth. There's very few people that I'm aware of that had an idyllic home, but we must get in and take responsibility for who we are, not just our parents or the effect of the environment, but the action that we take right here, right now. And God wants us to start over. God has given us the ability to be born again and to start fresh and take responsibility and step into everything that God has for us. Psalm 139, 23, David says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, we must invite the Lord to search us, to search out our hearts. And, and when, when we ask God, will you search my heart? He already knows what's in our heart. So in fact, what we're doing is we are searching ourselves, but we're asking God to reveal our hearts. That's what we're asking. Lord, would you show us my motivation? Would you show me what's going on within the depths of my heart and the depths of my soul? And it was Socrates who said, the unexamined life is not worth living. So please, ask the Lord to reveal to you what's going on in the depths of your own heart. So number one is stop the excuses. Number two is cut the ties. You know, you may cut the bag off your own back, but if you go back to your old friends, your own way of life, that bag is waiting right outside for you now. You know, you may have to cut some relationships. You may have to throw out that wing scales. You may have to cut up the credit cards. You may have to put a filter on your computer. You may have to leave your phone downstairs when you go to bed. Now, there's a, a, an original thought. You may have to get authorization from your spouse or friend before making an online purchase. You may have to control what comes out of your mouth. Some people say, ah, that's just me. That's just the way I am. That's just the way I was born and brought up. But you could pray like the psalmist. Psalm 141.3, he says, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. We have to take responsibility, and we must take action. And when cutting ties, we must also remember 1 Corinthians 15.33. It says, Don't be misled. Bad company 
corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. I imagine that if bad company corrupts, it's possible that good company builds and strengthens good character. So you always have to look at the opposite. You really do. We must come to our senses and start making better decisions. And parents, I want to say to you, please, please listen carefully to this. Be careful about who your kids hang out with. I I would encourage you to have have their friends over for lunch. I'm amazed that I talk to parents in pastoral care and counseling, and they're having trouble with their kids, and say, tell me about their friends. Uh, Well, I really don't know their friends. I said, have you had them over for lunch? No. Have you ever had them over for a sleepover? No. Did you ever bring them on a holiday with you? No. So I want to encourage you. Have their friends, your kids' friends, over to the house. When you go on a holiday, bring them with you. You're going to discover what kind of friends they are, but also you're going to influence their lives rather than they influencing your kids. So take action, be affirmative, right? and step into everything that God has you to do in parenting. James 4.7 says this, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. So when you submit everything to God, it changes things dramatically. I think that when you stop and ask the question, whether it's a behavior, an act, a purchase, And if you can stop for a moment and ask the question, will this glorify God? I want to tell you that that will challenge you to the core. It really will. And it's a great question for self-assessment. So, number one, stop the excuses. Number two, cut the ties. And number three, fill the void. Anytime you take something in, you need to replace it. When, When you chuck something out, replace it. I've been trying for years, and one day we'll get there. If you buy a top or you buy a piece of clothing, chuck out the other piece of clothing. I think we'd have far more room in our wardrobes if we could do that. But the same thing with our own behavior. It's that when you make a change, don't just stop something, but replace it with something well, something good. Ephesians 5.18 says what? Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So wine could be overeating, overspending, overweighing, and the word debauchery means excessive indulgence. So be filled with the Holy Spirit. Put something positive back. The presence of God, the presence of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Make sure that you don't leave a void, that you fill this up. And I want to give you four things, four positive things that you can replace these things with. So A is God's Word. Ephesians 5, 26 says, washed by the cleansing of God's Word. We need to make a decision to make God's living Word part of our everyday lives. We all need to be washed, every one of us, me included, on a daily basis. Every man, woman, and child needs the washing and cleansing on a daily basis. And again, back to the illustration of kids. I mean, how often does, do you have to teach your kids to wash your teeth? And, and not just give it a rub, but what do we do? Underneath, front, back, 
up and down, sideways. You spend time teaching kids how to wash their teeth because we know when you clean your teeth, your teeth will be healthy and well and last a lot longer. And so too with God's Word. It is the washing and cleansing effect that it has on our lives. You know, we, myself and Elizabeth, do you know, the Red Bible or the, the, the Bible online, and it's free. You can do it every single day. It keeps you up, you know, if you missed one day or two days or three days. But get in to having some kind of a daily Bible reading, daily Bible devotion. And, you know, we are still amazed and often amazed at how many people come for counsel or pastoral care. And you ask, um, have you read the Word of God? And they said, um, ah, not really. So, okay, right. Do, do you read the Word of God every day? No, I don't have time. I'm too busy. And, and oftentimes what happens is we get to a place where we, we go to other people for help and wisdom when you could have it every single day. Now, I, I, I'm not saying that every single day you pick up the Bible that you have this uh, amazing, amazing revelation. But over day one and day 10 and day 20 and 356, I want to tell you, you do have revelation. You get the Word of God into you. You get God's Word and God's truth into you. So as you're reading the Word of God, what does it do for you? What, what, what are the benefits and what is it all about? Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the Word of God is living and active. It's not dead. It's not just something that's in print, black and white. It is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of my heart. So dividing our thoughts on what is from the Spirit of God and what is from me, dividing the, the word, what the Word of God has to say about me, about what's going on in my heart, separating the lie from the truth, it, and also reveals, okay, what is your attitude? Well, I'm, I'm doing great, I'm doing wonderful, but when you delve into the Word of God, it shows, okay, what is my motivation? What's happening within me? It really does. It's like going for surgery. David writes in the Psalm, Psalm 51.10, he says, Create a new clean heart within me. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires, ready to please you. Imagine reading that. Imagine learning that scripture all by heart and keep replacing the thoughts in your mind. Imagine you going to that place and having it on your fridge or your mirror or your computer or on the front of your phone, create a new clean heart within me, Lord. Lord, fill me with pure thoughts. Lord, fill me with holy desires. Lord, allow me to please you with my life. It would change things. It would catch your thoughts captive. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And, and there you have it in a sense. This is the very breath, the rock of God. And if you want to be equipped for life, then read the Word of God as often as possible and do it on a regular, regular basis. So we have God's Word. B is prayer. Remember that we're always talking in the context of relationship. Not, not a formal, ritualistic type of prayer, but we're talking about our Father, Abba Father, my Dad. You're talking in an intimate manner. 
So speak to God as you would to your best friend, but also with that honor and glory of lordship. Hebrews 4, 15 says, the high, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he has faced all the same temptations that we do. Yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So God understands. Jesus understands. He understands everything you're going through. He has been there, but yet was without sin. You know, the more time I spend with Elizabeth, in fact, I would say the more quality time that we spend together, the greater a sense of love, companionship, and acceptance flows between us. But the opposite is also true. When we don't cut out this valuable time, we can get a little irritable. We really can, a little edgy, a little snappy with each other. So we have to come along and and put in quality time with each other. So I want to encourage you, talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. And and if you want even to learn how to pray, if you want to join us on every single Wednesday night at 7.30, we've been doing it for the last six weeks, there's a group of us who gather here in Newbridge in open arms. We meet in our cafe, and we're praying for our families. We're praying for a community. We're praying for a nation. We're asking God to set a light and a fire within us, right? So come and join us any single Wednesday night, 7.30, just for one hour, and that will help you as well to increase your prayer life. So we have God's Word, and prayer, and the third thing is an accountability partner. We all need someone in our lives. If the only one who knows your struggle is yourself, you're probably in trouble. You need someone with flesh on. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, imagine that scripture, and over 2,000 years we've turned it into something ritualistic. We formalize it. We put it in the hands of people who, who, who put us into a little black box and call it confession. But this is supposed to be a flow between believers. This is supposed to be a flow and accountability one to another. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who, who conceals his sin does not prosper. I want you to hear that. He who conceals his sin does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. And we want to find mercy from God, right? We cannot get everything we need from a Sunday message. This alone will not sustain you. This will not keep you. You need more. So please, find somebody where you can have mutual accountability. Someone who's not going to judge you. Someone who's not just going to ignore you. But somebody who can hear you and listen. And you can help resolve issues together. So we have God's Word, prayer, and accountability partner, and finally, ministry. Romans 12, 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So my suggestion is serve where you are. Overcome your baggage by loving and serving. Join our team in church. Look, we've got loads of of room in open arms, both here in Dublin and also online. We we have room for you to come and to serve. We can can help you find a role, whatever that role would be. 
could be in welcome, production, worship, cafe, administration. Our kids, we're starting up our kids' church. In, in Dublin, we're starting it right now, this Sunday. In, in Newbridge, we're starting uh, our kids' church by just looking after them and doing games and activities. But the first Sunday in September, we're kicking off with kids' church. There's a place and there's room for you there. Come and chat to us. Talk to us. And we'll try and fit you in where you can love and you can serve and you become active and you can start putting good things into your life. Reach out to somebody in your own community. Make a difference. Love people. Get involved in missions. We have our Zambia project. We're looking and planning already at bringing a team perhaps next July or August 2022 to Zambia. So get involved. Talk to us about getting involved in the Zambia project. But the main thing is that you overcome evil with good. I want to remind you again that we have a great pastoral team. We have a professional counseling team. If you're in need to come and sit with somebody, have a chat, have a cup of coffee, and, and help resolve those issues that are deep within your life. As we finish, I, I want to pray I, want to, I want to really want to pray for us that this is our, our last week doing baggage. We've had three weeks. And, and I pray that you're hearing that God wants to set you free. That Jesus Christ has made a way for freedom. It is for freedom that he has set us free. Not, not that you be caught again with baggage. Not that you be caught in addiction. Not, not that you be thinking nobody loves you or nobody likes you or that God can't use you. But Jesus has come because he loves you, he loves me, he loves us, and he wants us to be free. And if you're here today and you've never committed your life to Jesus, I want you to listen to this scripture, Romans 10, 9. It says that if you confess your sin, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the mouth that you believe and are justified. And his right with your heart you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So if you want to invite Jesus into your life, I want you wherever you are, just bow your head, bow your heart in that sense, and just say these words with me. Lord Jesus, I have baggage in my life. Some are painful, and I feel trapped. I don't see a way out. So I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me, and set me free. Lord, take my heavy baggage and give me your freedom. I declare your lordship over my life. I believe you died on the cross for my freedom and that you were raised on the third day. I now accept your forgiveness in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you've said that prayer for the very first time, we'd like to help you take the next step. I said a very similar prayer almost 30 years ago, and I've been taking a series of steps. You can go to openarms.ie forward slash connect, and there are just the books that I have committed my life to Jesus, or perhaps you're making a recommitment, and we will be in touch with you during the week and help you take that next step. So God bless you. Have a great day.